The contents of the lab report are meant for educational purposes only and are not meant to be misconstrued as medical diagnosis or treatment advice. Today on The Lab Report, we're going to talk about branched-chain amino acids. Leucine, isoleucine, and valine. Amino acids with a twist. You mean a branch. The world of medicine can be challenging. Clinicians and patients are always looking for more options, more effective treatments, and in the end, more answers. Functional and integrative medicine focuses on addressing root causes of disease. Here at Genova Diagnostics, we've watched this field evolve and grow for over 35 years. We've not only adapted, we've led. Join us as we talk about functional medicine, laboratory testing, and optimizing health. Welcome to The Lab Report. Did you get all your Christmas shopping done yet? Uh, we're about halfway there. Really? Yeah. I'm impressed. Yeah. What, what do you mean by that? No, nothing. Hello. Hey, Michael Chapman. Hi, Patty Devers. How are you today? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great. Thank cool. you for asking. I hope you are all doing great. Welcome to this podcast called The Lab Report. It's where we talk about things like functional medicine, specialty lab testing, integrative therapeutics, and the like. And if you're new to this show, welcome. And if you're returning, thank you so much for your support. I'm hoping that you would have gone to iTunes or Spotify and subscribed to the show. Maybe yeah. left us some stars, a rate and review. And it's feedback. always helpful. Yeah. If you have additional feedback, you can send that feedback to podcast at gdx.net. Our caller lines are always open, so feel free to give <laughs> us a call on air. We'll answer your health questions. These are, that's not true. Oh. We don't have a phone number here. All right. Though we should probably work on that. Uh-huh. Speaking of Christmas shopping. uh uh-huh. Do you think we should put some t- Christmas decorations up or a tree here in the podcast? You're studio? feeling, you're getting into the spirit, yeah, right? You're yeah. starting to feel the December spirit coming along. We should you decorate. We should have, get a tree, perhaps. Ooh, is that a new sound? It is a new sound. So we've replaced the turkey gobble with the jingle bells? Yeah, we did. Actually, thankfully, uh, this little soundboard here, it has an automatic update feature just for <laughs> no, whatever season not. is coming along. It that just, would be awesome. It just automatically reprograms appropriate sounds. Not true, but that would be awesome. Well, today we're going to talk about branched-chain amino acids, Michael. Sounds awesome. I love talking about branched-chain amino acids. You do? I don't know. I've never really done it before. <laughs> well, we sort of did. Remember we did an episode, Breaking Down Protein, where we touched on some of the amino acids? Sure. I don't think we really spent a lot of time on branched-chain aminos, though. Not enough time. That's why we need to dedicate a whole podcast to it. That's right. We even touched on it a little bit with Dr. Gabrielle Lyon as well in her interview and her episode. Yeah. But I think a good place to start is a, just a little bit of a review. Okay. Right? Remember, um, amino acids join together to form protein. Yes. We talked about that. Yeah. And we They're also the building talk- blocks. They're the building right. blocks of life, really. Absolutely. I mean, they are like the foundational cornerstone building blocks. And we also talked about the difference between essential and non-essential. Uh-huh. Essential are amino acids that you must obtain mm-hmm. through your diet. Uh, non-essential can be made from the essential amino acids. So that's the distinction there. Right. And of those nine, three of them are called branched chain amino acids. That's uh-huh. leucine, isoleucine, and valine. Yeah. And I think it might be helpful for us to define some terms. Like why do we call oh, them branched yeah. chain? I love defining terms. It's always a good place to start. And you know what? Last time we talked Last time we did defining terms, we uh-huh. talked a little bit about how there should be some sort of something special for when we define terms. Oh, no, you didn't. Here we go. Oh, yeah. You know what time it is? It's time to define some terms. I, I, 
I, I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> Bring in the energy. Wow, that's a bit exaggerated. What, you're saying that intro is hyperbolic? <laughs> well, I un- disagree. Unless you are really that excited about defining terms, in which case, right on point. You're right. I need to go bigger. <laughs> All right, so why are branch chain amino acids named as such? Well, it comes down to their structure. Okay. So back when we did the protein episode, we talked about how amino acids are the building blocks that form a protein. Yes. But an amino acid has a carboxyl group, an amino nitrogen group, and then a chain attached to the central carbon. But these branch chain amino acids are a little bit different because they have that aliphatic side chain, but then it has a branch off of that central carbon atom with three or more carbon atoms on it. So it's an amino acid that has a branch. Hence the name, branch chain amino acids. Why do I feel like the build-up to that was a little bit better than See, I told you, a little overexcited about defining terms, sir. Mm. So now that we've defined terms by looking at its structure and why it's called branch chain amino acids. Fascinating. Right? Where do we get them and why are they different? Yeah, so branch chain amino acids are heavily found in skeletal muscle tissue. Mm -hmm. And so with that, I tend to think of them being predominantly found from like our animal foods, mm-hmm. our, our meats and things like that. And uh, the interesting thing about branch chain amino acids is that as they're digested and absorbed, they don't need to be further metabolized in the liver. They're immediately available to other tissues uh, for metabolism. Right. So they're in circulation and they just get taken up and used. Yeah. And a big proportion of what they're used for is actually building and maintaining skeletal muscle in in your body. Mm-hmm. And so that's critically important. I think over half of these branched chain amino acids get utilized for that purpose, which is why a lot of times you'll see it listed as a supplement in the category for sports medicine and recovery and repair. Yeah. But in addition to muscle metabolism, they're also important metabolically for a lot of different functions, things like neurotransmitter production, glucose metabolism, protein synthesis, the immune response. There's also some literature around it being involved in improving insulin resistance. Interesting. Okay, well, that makes me want to know more. Oh, okay. So do we know anything about the relationship between branched-chain amino acids and neurotransmitters? We do. We know a little bit about the effects of branched-chain aminos as it relates to the brain. And the first and foremost thing is that, you know, we talked about how branched-chain amino acids from your diet are just in your circulation, ready to be taken up and used, and the brain is no exception. Okay. And so the first thing that it does is it uses the nitrogens on these amino acids as donors to make things like glutamate or GABA, one being excitatory, the other being inhibitory. Uh Uh-huh. Respectively. Right, right. And the other thing it does is that it can compete with the uptake. They kind of compete with uptake of various other amino acids to make specific neurotransmitters like phenylalanine, tyrosine, and tryptophan. So if your branched-chain amino acid level is high, it's going to attenuate the production of those others. It's going to decrease. Theoretically, it could decrease the production of neurotransmitters because it's competing for uptake or transport across the blood-brain barrier, which... That Okay, that makes me think that maybe branched-chain amino acids aren't so good because it's going to lower these precursors. Unless you consider that serotonin and tryptophan and some of these things might be responsible for fatigue. So if you're working out and you're trying to build muscle and you take branched-chain amino acids, it might help fatigue. Yeah, but on the flip side, there's been studies that show high levels of serum branched-chain amino acids are associated with an increased likelihood for depression. 
Hmm. Probably going back to that same mechanism around decreased neurotransmitter production. So what's going on here? Because we know that branched-chain amino acid intake might be beneficial in certain situations, but high levels of serum branched-chain amino acids might be problematic, and that is also the case in things like insulin resistance, Hmm. where we find that higher levels of branched-chain amino acids in the serum are correlated with rates of insulin resistance. Okay, so then where are we landing on this one? Because we know that we need them to make certain neurotransmitters, though they can lower the amounts of others. We know they're important in the muscle to build more muscles. So are they good or bad? Yeah, it's a good question. And and I don't think it's something that we know the answer to 100% at this point. We're still researching this. And I think it's a little bit of a chicken and the egg scenario. because oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you solved that. I did. What we know is that branched-chain amino acid supplementation or intake... Mm-hmm. Uh, causes anabolic growth of muscle. It's an anabolic trigger, right? And we know that studies studies have shown that increased intake of these branched-chain amino acids actually improve insulin sensitivity. But higher levels of insulin create catabolism of your skeletal muscle tissue. So it could very well be that in the situation of insulin resistance... The branch chain amino acids, both from what you're taking in and from the catabolism of your skeletal muscle tissue, leads to higher serum levels. So you have to kind of untether dietary intake and its action on metabolic sensitivity from catabolism catabolism caused by insulin resistance. But then there's also the point of by taking branch chain amino acids as a supplement, it doesn't work as well as when you're taking it with all the other amino acids in a full protein picture a full protein meal it doesn't no so i need to throw away my branched chain amino acid supplement just continue your branched chain amino acids in concert with all the other amino acids that you get in protein okay so what i'm hearing from all this is that branched chain amino acid levels Mm -hmm. might tell you a couple different things whether it's in the presence of insulin resistance high serum glucose or not Right. And it's also important to note that they do different things in different tissues of the body. So, for example, branched-chain amino acids have the most immediate impact in skeletal muscle Mm -hmm. because leucine, being one of them, is one of the few amino acids that gets completely oxidized in muscle for energy and can create more ATP molecules than glucose. Yeah, it's a great energy source. Mm -hmm. And leucine itself is one of the main amino acids that we think about as being completely anabolic in its the way that it stimulates anabolic muscle growth. And so that's hugely important to prevent catabolism of your muscle. But on the flip side, under the circumstances of high glucose, then what happens is that leucine and some of the branched chain amino acids create sort of an energy imbalance where they're worsening the situation of insulin resistance and metabolic dysfunction because they're stimulating insulin pathways. Yeah. And in fact, if you think about the beta cells of the pancreas, The branched-chain amino acids can also work with the mTOR pathway, the mammalian target of rapamycin pathways. And so high glucose in your blood can start to signal mTOR, in which leucine plays that indirect role. And so the combination of glucose, leucine, and other mTOR activators kind of cause the beta cells of your pancreas to proliferate and increases the secretion of insulin. And then with the higher concentrations of leucine and, and the inhibition of insulin receptors, 
it eventually leads to the inability of the beta cells to even release insulin and then further contributes to higher glucose and development of diabetes. And that just makes me think, under what circumstances are somebody, is somebody going to have high levels of glucose and high levels of branched-chain amino acids, right? Mm-hmm. It's essentially the standard American diet. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yep. And so you have to make that distinction between whether somebody's on like a ketogenic diet as compared to a standard American diet because on a ketogenic diet, they're going to be having lower insulin, lower glucose levels, and they're going to be probably having some of the beneficial anabolic effects of the branched-chain amino acid intake. So in this time of this pandemic and mm. COVID and everyone's worried about their immunity and, and really strengthening their metabolic reserves, how does branched-chain amino acid supplementation affect immunity? Yeah, I'm really glad you asked that, actually. Um, and I'm just going to start this because I think this might be a, a good topic for a little segment that where we go through the research and maybe pull a paper, see what the paper's saying, a little thing that we call, what do we think we know? Okay, so looks like you have a paper pulled up over there, and we I want do. to talk about how branched-chain amino acids affect immunity. What's the paper called? The paper is actually titled Branched-Chain Amino Acids and Immunity. <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah, it is. It's from the <laughs> Journal of Nutrition. Very uh, descriptive. 2006. Cool. And uh, we've got a lot of different things going on here with this paper. Uh, they looked at human studies. They looked at cell culture studies. They looked at uh, animal studies to, mm-hmm. to just kind of see what the effect of these branched chain amino acids and how they play a role in the immune system. And so it's safe to say that in general, the immune system utilizes branched chain amino acids. They take them up in that free form, just like we talked about how branched chain amino acids circulate. They don't have to go through this first pass metabolism in the liver. Mm-hmm. And they're taken up by immune cells to do a lot of the same things that, that they do elsewhere. They're building blocks for a lot of the proteins. Um, and especially what's interesting is that upon infection, right, the immune system has to really quickly ramp up. It has to go through a lot of division, recruit new cells, things like that. And so there becomes a huge demand for essential nutrients. So the branch chain amino acids are used how by these cells? Yeah, I think there's a couple different things going on. First and foremost, we talked about how they can be used for energy, right? They create Mm -hmm. ATP. So upon infection, the immune system has a huge ATP demand because of all the activation and new immune cell recruitment going on. Like macrophages and lymphocytes? That's right. Okay. Yeah. And it's also been shown that branched-chain amino acids play a role in lymphocyte responsiveness as well. Mm. Um, And so that's kind of one of the mechanisms. And what they've shown in cell culture studies is that, indeed, these branched-chain amino acids are taken up by these different immune cells um, and used as energy substrates. Mm -hmm. They've also shown that in uh, animal studies, mice that are fed branched-chain amino acid-deficient diets have lowered immunity in general. Ooh, so in essence, in this time when you're worried about your immunity, make sure your protein intake is adequate. Yeah. And so there's a a few human studies here and there, uh, not a lot as it relates to the uh, effect on the immune system, but a couple of them are interesting where they've looked at people with sepsis and given branched chain amino acid uh, intravenously, and they've shown that there's better outcomes for the people Hmm. who receive the treatment. Yeah, so at the end of the day, it seems pretty beneficial. It says here in the discussion uh, that the immune system has a high dependence upon protein synthesis since immune response requires a lot of new cells. And that means antigen-presenting machinery, immunoglobulins, cytokines, cytokine receptors, acute phase proteins. All these things require those basic building blocks, and so branched-chain amino acids are important there. And there you go. That's what do we think we know. 
but there's still a lot to to really uncover and learn, and that's uh, exemplified by the last sentence of this paper, mm-hmm. which says, however, the relationship is poorly defined. <laughs> so we don't know anything. Okay, so you see why it might be important for us to measure amino acids directly to get a feel for where we are. Sure. And if we think about, okay, we're Genova, we're a lab. We measure amino acids yeah. on several protein, several profiles. First, we can measure it in blood or mm-hmm. plasma, which gives us an intake of a couple of weeks yeah. of dietary intake of protein. And we also have urinary measurements, which is a shorter time frame, 24 to 48 hours. So think of the NutriVal. Think of the Metabolomics Plus. And in general, when we look at this, we're always looking at the overall pattern of amino acids. And so if all of the amino acids are kind of on the lower end, we think, is it intake? Is it digestion and absorption protein? Then we think of higher levels kind of in a pattern. We think there's a lot of intake of protein or maybe there's lack of vitamin cofactors needed to utilize them. But is it different for the branch chain amino acids then? I wouldn't say it's necessarily different. I might just... Uh, hone in on the branch chain amino acids and understand them as having these sort of additional clinical utility aspects. So Mm. if you find high levels of branch chain amino acids as a pattern in the plasma, then that definitely has shown to be somewhat of a hallmark around metabolic dysfunction, insulin resistance in the literature. Makes sense. And on the flip side, like we just talked about with respect to immunity and, you know, even all the other protein building blocks, anabolic components that branch chain amino acids play a role in, uh, I certainly would be concerned if I saw lower levels trending for the branch chain amino acids as well. Well, Um, What about the concept of utilization? Like if someone had just worked out, oftentimes they have lower levels of things like leucine. So does utilization come to mind there? Well, that's a great question because it makes me think about this whole other facet of branched chain amino acids, which is their metabolism into the alpha keto acids. Hmm. So I see where you're going here because we actually measure some of those alpha adipic acids in the urinary profile under the organic acids section. That's right. Because they're a byproduct of the catabolism of branched chain amino acids. Right. Okay, so if I'm looking at an amino acids assessment from Genova uh-huh. and the branched chain amino acid levels are low, can I then look to the organic acid section to see if the alpha ketos are high as a measure of increased utilization instead of decreased dietary intake? Yeah, I think you could, honestly, um, because what we know is that the alpha keto acids come from oxidation of branched chain amino acids. And so for that reason, if you see higher levels of the alpha keto acids, I would be wondering a couple different things. But could this be an upregulation of the enzyme that oxidizes the branched chain amino acids? The name of that enzyme is branch chain alpha keto acid dehydrogenase. Complex. Thank you. So, for example, when somebody's exercising, Mm -hmm. what happens is you have increased metabolism of your branch chain amino acids. Okay, so you have an upregulation in the utilization of branch chain amino acids for energy. And so that's increasing both the action of branch chain keto acid dehydrogenase (laughs) complex. Uh Okay, so that could potentially create higher levels of alpha keto acids. And that could also go for somebody who is just catabolic, right? They're losing right, muscle right, mass right, right. Makes because essentially exercise in its initial phase is catabolic, right? Right. Before it becomes anabolic. 
Okay, so that makes sense as to why people who are bodybuilders or like to work out often supplement with branched chain amino acids before a workout. Yeah, exactly. But then what are some other things we should think about when there's an altered metabolism of these things, specifically the alpha keto acids? Yeah, so another thing that we think about with alpha keto acids on an organic acid test is whether that's an indication for needs for cofactors. Because it's an enzyme that we're talking about, right? And enzymes, a lot of them require nutrient cofactors. Branch chain alpha keto acid dehydrogenase complex. That's the one. <laughs> and this one is a beast. This yeah. guy requires a lot of cofactors. Hence the word complex. <laughs> it's got a complex, all right. <laughs> B1, B2, B3, lipoic acid, all of those are involved uh, in, in catabolizing our alpha keto acids. So if you have uh, low levels, if you're cellularly insufficient of those B1, B2, B3, lipoic acid, then that enzyme might be a little bit sluggish, leading to higher levels in the urine of these alpha keto acids. The other thing to consider is that some people are genetically born with a deficiency in this complex enzyme, yeah. a rare inborn error of metabolism called maple syrup urine disease, which is quite rare, but it's just a lack of that complex enzyme. Yeah, and equally you will see on an organic acid test high levels of the alpha keto acids. Mm -hmm. One interesting question might be how those alpha keto organic acids are affected by a ketotic diet and ketosis. Yeah, you know, I've often wondered that. I can't I've find it. That. I can't find it I in know literature. There's, there's nothing in the literature that I, I've been able to see there. I mean, there's some things around alpha keto acids, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. But I do have a few theories. Oh, great. Here we go. More Michael Chapman logical speculation. Sometimes literature is inconclusive. That's right. No one really seems to know the answers. Uh -huh. But we're lucky because we have someone who always has an answer, and that's Michael Chapman. What? He's going to offer us his logical speculation. I am? Yeah. All right. Well, let's hear the speculation, Michael, on what happens to the alpha ketos in the <laughs> organic acid section in ketosis. Well, before we get into that, I'd just like to say that intro. Why? I mean, I, I feel like it's not really... Uh, complimentary. Oh, like it's, no, like it's I trying disagree. to allude to something like I'm making oh, something no. up. No, it's it's just pointing out that when no one has an answer, you seem to come up with an answer. I still think you're you're being no, uh, a little No. Well, just saying we're lucky to have you. Anyway. <laughs> so, in ketosis, <laughs> one thing to keep in mind is you're making more ketone bodies, right? Right. And so some of those ketone bodies can come from what's called ketogenic amino acids, mm -hmm. which include the likes of leucine and isoleucine, which are branched chain amino acids. And so if we think about this, if you're utilizing and you're, you're stimulating the more production of ketones, right? So you think naturally that you're going to have more conversion of branched chain amino acids into ketone bodies, meaning less catabolism of branched chain amino acids into your alpha keto acids. Does that make hmm. sense? But Not here, at all. But here's the problem. Go ahead. You're also eating a lot more branched chain amino acids, likely, if you're doing sort of a higher protein ketogenic diet. Okay. If you're eating more animal proteins and things like that. So that's going to ultimately then lead to more branched chain amino acids in the system. They're not going to need to go down to ketones. So ultimately, they'll be turned into more alpha keto acids. What are you on about? Oliver, I'm I'm just I'm just saying that's probably what's going to happen. You can't make things up. It's not how it works. <sighs> All right, let's do a little bit of a wrap up. 
Branched-chain amino acids are essential amino acids, which means they must, must come from the diet. Yeah. They're so named because they have a different structure. They don't need to go to the liver to be oxidized. They're in circulation and can be taken up by any tissue that needs them for energy. And they have a lot of metabolic effects. Yeah. And high levels in the serum seem to be problematic, both from a neurotransmitter production standpoint and from an insulin signaling metabolic dysfunction standpoint. You want to look out for that. Low levels might be problematic because it's not providing building blocks and the anabolic requirements. And we know that they work best when in concert with all of the other amino acids in whatever you're eating. In. That's protein. Great. I think we, uh, we covered it, didn't we? Got it covered. Nice. Nice. Helping the people. Yep, helping the people. Wait, who, who are the people? You know, the, the listeners. Oh, your mom? That's right. All right, Patty. Well, is it, um, is it time for question of the day? Well, I think we need to have a discussion to what? distinguish if there should be a jingle limit per episode. Because we did use two different jingles, two different segments that required a jingle, plus jingle bells. That does seem like a little bit much, huh? I think we've hit the limit. All right, let's just uh, wrap it. Next time on The Lab Report, Dr. Alex Hutchinson. PhD physicist who now writes about sports science. A physicist, eh? <laughs> Not that physicist, Michael. I'm going to ask him about Different black holes. Guys, no, you can't. You've been listening to The Lab Report. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast, rate us, and leave us a review. To learn more about Genova Diagnostics, visit our website at gdx.net. There you'll find information on specific testing, educational resources, and how to connect with our show. Call us at 1-800-522-4762 or email us at podcast at gdx.net. You ever been caroling? <laughs> You're from the Midwest. Caroling? The Christmas no. caroling, door to door. Never been caroling. Uh-uh. What do you mean? Uh, no, and I'm pretty sure that's that can't be a thing anymore, right? That's well, we're not doing this caroling business anymore. Well, I'm it, sure it was when I was little, when I was in the Girl Scouts. Yeah, but not anymore. No, well, nowadays, last time somebody randomly knocked at your door or rang your doorbell, <laughs> call the police. That's right. You're <laughs> you're like you're sneaking to the front door <laughs> to just close the blinds. Fair. Roll that's them a up. Great point.